A pleasant good morning to everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Coles Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown, joined by Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. The guest menu looks like this on Saturday, August 13th, 2022. Boy, the year is going by very fast. Of course, Charles Edmund. Uh, joins us on, on today's show. And then from uh, HBCU legend, Sports Illustrated, Saints Talk, Pelican Talk, Kyle Mosley uh, joins us very shortly here on the Carlos Brown Show. And then last but not least, uh, Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. Of course, we'll talk a lot of uh, football, college football, HBCU football, right here on today's show. Swack Soccer predicted order finish. Charles, take a guess. Who, who's number one? Preview. Mm, no, although they have <laughs> had tremendous, uh, tremendous success. But uh, Grambling mm-hmm. State, I believe. Oh, I had, I had not looked at you. Yeah, I I had looked at the uh, I, I saw the all conference team the other day. I interviewed our soccer coach, and uh, I did not see the predicted order of finish as far as the teams are concerned. Well, but that is the predicted order of finish. We'll we'll come back and revisit that. Uh, Milton Borney uh, tabbed the lead Mississippi Valley State. This is simply just what's trending on the Cole Brown show. Um, tab to lead Mississippi Valley State Baseball Program. He is Coach Barney, the seventh head baseball coach in the history of Mississippi Valley State uh, University. And he has a famous grandfather, former JSU football great, uh, Lim Barney. So that is, um, you know, I had kind of forgotten about Valley and uh, that they were going to uh, announce a, a new head baseball coach. So uh, Coach Barney experienced with the Southwestern Athletic Conference, I believe, for 2011, uh, assistant head baseball coach at Alcorn State University, a native of uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. So uh, Mississippi Valley State, on paper, it looks to be uh, an outstanding hire. I guess just give him some time. Um, to, to get some more resources in there and, and just give it some time to build the baseball program. But uh, the pedigree, he has that. He really does. And um, it, it looks like an outstanding uh, hire from Mississippi Valley State. I'll go through uh, a couple more notes that that's trending here on the Carlos Brown show. We can say trending news and notes, whatever you feel comfortable with or whatever I feel comfortable with. Uh, SWAC announces the 2021-2022 Academic Awards and Institutional Winners. And I have that information right in front of me. So if you bear with me, um, the SWAC Academic Success Award is an, an award decided based upon each member institution's collective rankings in the categories of highest four-year uh, academic progress rate, APR average highest single year APR average, and the highest graduate success rate. GSR. Texas Southern, congratulations, claimed the 2021-2022 SWAC Academic Success Award, finishing with a total of 26 points, 
based on the point scale system to determine an institutional winner. Your alma mater, Grammar State University, 22.5, and Jackson State, 22, rounds out the top three finishers within the conference. And then Alabama State, with 64%, claimed the uh, All Academic Achievement Award, which is presented to the athletic program that has the highest percentage of student athletes that earn a grade point average of 3.0 or better during the 2021-2022 academic year. Alcorn State at 60% finished second, while Grambling State finished uh, third with 58%. So some good academic news, student athletes, that's what it's all about. And then last but not least, boy, just, just it's, a, it's a feel-good story for me personally because, of course, unless you've been on the moon or somewhere, I am a Southern University graduate alum. Southern football alum, uh, Darnell Henderson and Calvin Mills delivered 100 Amazon Fire tablets to the bluff this week. A total of a $12,250 investment. It gives the football players uh, digital access to the playbook, itineraries. I guess when you're on the you know road or, or during the week, game week. And then also uh, practice video. So, so that is uh, huge. Kudos, much love to uh, Darnell Henderson and and Calvin Mills, uh, former uh, football players at Southern University. Man, that that that's special. Uh, getting 100 Amazon Fire tablets. That's what's trending here on the Carlos Brown Show. Charles, three weeks from today. A lot of uh, football teams will kick off their season. And in two weeks, we've got the SWAC MEAC Challenge. People want to know. A lot of pressures on Alabama State, but also a lot of pressure on the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Can they defeat the MEAC? Yeah. Um, Before I answer that question, Carlos, I want to go back to the Milton Barney uh, story that that was Mm -hmm. trending. Milton Barney, of course, played. He was a part of that 2011 uh, Alcorn State Baseball Championship team. So, you know, he played under uh, Beard Ray, uh, a, a Southern grad. So he does have the pedigree. He knows what it takes to win a championship. And I thought it was a really, really good hire. Young coach, passionate coach. And I think that's definitely needed um, at Mississippi Valley. So I just want to go back to that. Wanted to chime in because I know him personally. And uh, he's a really good dude, really good guy, and I think he'll be a really good coach for Mississippi Valley. Um, Swag Me at Challenge, it kicks off here shortly. And, hey, the, you know, we talk about pressure on the Swag to, to win this thing. You know, we struggled in the Celebration Bowl and the Swag Me at Challenge. First game for Eddie Robinson Jr. You know, I talked to him at Swag Football Media Day. Um, I think they've got a few pieces that can that can possibly come together here. You know, you've got some D1 transfers. Um, and so I think you you look at that, it's just the continuity, the word continuity. And I'm going to keep using that for the next several weeks because it's going to take time with a new coach and or new quarterbacks, new personnel. They just hired a defensive coordinator, Carlos, within the last week. It was announced there within the last week. So that continuity has to come together. So it, it's going to take a little time, and I think Dr. Jason Cable, the athletic director there that I know pretty well, is very patient. I think the Alabama State Board is very patient 
and uh, they bring in one of their own guys home. And if they can win that game, Carlos, it'll be great for the SWAC. It'll be a great start for Alabama State under Eddie Robinson Jr. Well, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And continuity, that's a word that you're going to hear uh, pretty much particularly early on. But, you know, as always, I've got to play a devil's advocate. How long, <laughs> do, you think, how long do you think you'll be able to, to use that phrase? You know, by the end of September, about four weeks? Um, I read an article years ago. If you're, if you're changing jobs, uh, you're doing something uh, different, it usually takes you about a good month to get comfortable. So I'm going to put that out. After four weeks, um, we should not be hearing that term or using that term. Or we could say, as uh, the, the song says, what have you done for me lately? No, I'm not going to say that one. But uh, to, to your point, to your point, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a period of time that they've got to to adjust and, and have that chemistry and that continuity. But uh, I'm thinking about the end of September or the first week in October. Uh, they should, they meaning uh, football teams, basketball teams, uh, soccer teams, volleyball teams, if they went through the portal and had a lot of new people, I think a good month is a good uh, time to just kind of uh, base it to say, hey, we've got the continuity now. We've we've got to just now execute and, and, and win. I'm 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 gonna put a, I'm gonna give a little exception though, and I think there are exceptions to every rule. In my opinion, I think Alabama State might be one of the few exceptions because I do think it's gonna take a little bit mm-hmm. longer time for them. Um, it's just my own opinion. I might be totally wrong. We've seen coaches and here lately, in in the last couple of years, Coach Deion Sanders. In basically two calendar years, won a SWAC championship, a, a division title. In basketball, Landon Bussey, year two, winning a regular season title, a SWAC championship mm-hmm. game. So there are exceptions to those rules. Um, so this could be an exception for Eddie Robinson Jr. in Bama State because nobody's really talking about him in the Eastern Division pecking order. Let's just be honest. It's about Jackson, FAMU, FAMU, Jackson, who's third? Could Bama State be a spoiler? I think it's going to take a little bit more time for them, in, in my opinion. I might be wrong. They they might shock everyone in the Eastern Division, and they might shock everyone in the conference. I think it'll take a little bit more time for them. But I tell you what, when you, know, when you talk about Bama State alums and what the Hornet Nation looks for, they want to win that Magic City Classic. And I keep talking about it because you talk to their fans, they, that's all they talk about. They want to do well in every game, but you know they kind of focus on, a lot on the Magic City, which – you know, I don't totally agree because you you got to play 11 games. you got to play it all the way through. But I do think for Bama State, it might take a little bit more time, and I hope the Hornet Nation, the swarm, as they call it, is a little bit more patient, even though they've hired one of their own. Yeah, I mean, they'll, I think Alabama State will have a, a, a grace period. And um, to use your term, uh, term all the time, they're probably playing with house money. No one's expecting – them to uh, challenge right away, except Coach Robinson and the players on that team. They expect to win. Um, I think they brought the young man, uh, they transferred in from Auburn, Auburn University to be the quarterback. So, uh, you know, you're a competitor. You want to compete and you want to win right away. Some places there's a little bit more pressure than others. 
um, you know, fam you. If we look at the East Division, one point away from defeating Jackson State, and then guess what? Their alums and their fans, they they figure we're we're right there, that close. We win that game, we go to the swag championship, we host the game, and then we go to celebration bowl. But they did go to the FCS playoffs, which uh, is for them it was a great it was a great situation. But trust me, they want to win that game by one point against Jackson State. And then they're East Division champs and then they have a chance to win the Southwestern Athletic Conference Football Championship and go on to the Celebration Bowl. Coach Simmons, you look at some of the players on social media right now, they're very confident. And everybody's confident. Everybody looks good. But then then the pads come on. Then there's a level of separation then going on. So then you you get to maybe the second week, kind of about where they are now, some that are playing in week zero, they've kind of hit, they're going to hit that wall and, and fall, well, you know, fall camp. And then you have to just push through. Then when school starts, you know, hey, then you, you, you practice. Most football programs, they're going to practice in the afternoon. Uh, maybe some still will practice in the morning. So it, it's a process. And you hear people talk about it's a process. But when it's all said and done, I think this is going to be a uh, tremendous 2022 uh, football season for the SWAC football programs. And and I don't think you can go into uh, the season going on two-game losing streak once you hit conference play. Then also you want – teams to do well in their non-conference games. Look, I'll be brutally honest. I want to win every game. I know that's not realistic. I want Southern to win if I'm a competitor. I want to win every game. I want to win non-conference games. I want to win conference games. You seek perfection. You seek excellence. Maybe that's a better word to use, but sometimes you fall short. And I always talk about when adversity hits. Not everybody can respond to adversity. You know, UAPB, correct me if I'm wrong, the game against Alcorn State, they're up by mega points, and then they lose that ball game. Many people have said they were not the same mentally and physically after that game. So who responds to adversity during the season and can bounce back? In, in, in the right way. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, even if you're talking about right now, the process right now, Alcorn just finished their first scrimmage uh, just a few minutes ago. And it's a 60 to 80 place scrimmage. They, by the way, they practice in the mornings. They get their mm-hmm. practices uh, underway early and, and they're done by around lunchtime, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. They've done that the last few years. They used to go in the afternoon, but over the last, Three or four years, Coach McNair's changed it to the morning practices, so they're so they're done by lunchtime. Um, so that but, that's you know, right even there, when school starts. That's even that's when school I starts. Okay, yeah. yeah. See, I don't, that's why I yeah. thought not every right. school uh, program, you know, they all have the practice the same uh, same time. Because I know when um, one of your favorite coaches of all time, and I just based on what you told me. Coach Odoms did a lot of morning, you know, uh, practices. Yeah. You know, some players can't get, you know, especially if they're juniors and seniors, 
the classes they yeah. need is in the, you know, at a certain time. So they had to practice when they could practice. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Braves have theirs in the morning. A lot of teams have theirs in the afternoon. It just, and it, you know, when, when, when Jay Hobson was coach previous to coach McNair, right. he had theirs in the afternoon. So it's just different philosophies. Um, but right now, I mean, teams right now, um, you know, are doing their scrimmages. We're going to have two scrimmages. We're going to have one today that just finished up. We're going to have one in two weeks. That's the week before Stephen F. Austin. And, you know, today's scrimmage is probably the more detailed one. Um, I was told anywhere from 60 to 80 plays. So this is kind of the big deal. In two weeks, it'll just kind of be the finishing touches. So that's just kind of how, you know, the Braves are going to play their hand. I don't know how other teams are going to play their hand. But I, I think, Carlos, for this season, you're going to see so many matchups early in the year, you know, whether it's SWAC, whether it's Texas Southern Prairie View, or whether it's Southern Florida Memorial, Alcorn, Stephen F. Austin. You can go right up and down the list of some big early non-conference games to build your continuity, or you jump right into the frame where Texas Southern Prairie View in week one or even week zero with Howard and Bama State. So there's there's a lot of opportunities, um, you know, for teams to kind of get it going early, but I refer back to what you talked about with FAMU. I think it's different this year than it was last year. You know, last year they opened up against Jackson State, and I, I'm going to keep, you know, harping on this, and I'm hope, and I'm with you. I want to see the SWAC do well. I'm a product of, product of a SWAC school. I'm a Grambling grad. I want to see the SWAC do well, especially out of conference, because people are saying we can't beat these type of teams, especially FCS, definitely FBS. But, you know, FAMU playing North Carolina – Week zero, that's a huge deal. And Brian Fulford and I kind of had a back and forth about this last week. I just hope that, you know, FAMU comes out of it none the worse for wear because if they don't and they lose to Jackson State, that's going to be tough to recover from. Just like you talked about UAPB not recovering from that game against Alcorn, in which they were up 26 to 7 at halftime. You know, so this there's going to be some key games early in which you got to come out of it on the other side, at least healthier, to where you can build your continuity. You know, Southern Florida Memorial, I think they'll win by five touchdowns, but then they got LSU the next week. How are you going to come out of that? Alcorn, Stephen F. Austin, you got Tulane, you got McNeese. Then you open up against UAPB at home. You don't know how UAPB is going to look after those first few weeks. So it's going to be a lot of conversation throughout the league to see how teams get it going early, whether it's coach, new coach, new quarterback, new schemes, new coordinators, all that is going to come together. The question is not if, but when. Yeah, well, my position is crystal clear about the uh, playing the FBS teams. And um, if I had a magic wand, I would wave it and you would be allowed one game every four years. So in eight years, that would be two. <laughs> 12 years out of the three. But guess what? I'm not a director of athletics. I think I would be a good one. Fair but tough. I didn't say fair and balanced. That's another cliche from another place that uh, we just won't go there, okay? Uh, but with that being said, <laughs> I, you know, I like those games. If you're going to play them, put it this way. Play them early rather than late. And that's just my opinion. And, you know, injuries could happen at any time. You just hope that it's going to be to the minimum. And and when I look at those type of games, the, the big difference is 
in the offensive and defensive lines. But if you look at the receivers, quarterback, uh, DBs, it's it's what you see on the FCS FCS level every week. Now there is also a speed factor, but um, I, I think overall in the conference, everyone has really upgraded. You know, be because hey, they want to win that championship. They want to improve. It will be interesting to see who has the most success in, in the non-conference games. Now, we're looking at um, most schools, what, about two weeks? Started the second week in the fall camp uh, at, at Southern University. Coach Dooley, uh, former wide receiver at Grambling State, coach wide receivers now, head coach, offensive coordinator. When he accepted uh, when he looked at Southern University's roster, and you know Coach Dooley is pass first, but if you go look at the past couple of years when he was at Prairie View, they were also very balanced. So they throw actually to, and this is the way I'm wording it, they throw to set up the run. But when he came in and he made an assessment, he knew he had to upgrade uh, the wide receiver core. Now, they had some talent talent coming back, but under Coach Rollins and under Coach Odoms, it was run first, run second, and on third down, if it's third and short, that's great. But if it's third and long, you know, I'm in the press box, Charles. I'm just going to be honest. I cringed on third down with this <laughs> team the last couple of years. If it's third and 20, forget about it. But even third and six or seven, they just were not efficient enough to complete those third downs via the pass. So with that being said, Coach Dooley came in. Uh, Reginald King, August Petrie, transfer reporter, uh, now in uh, first year of law school, transferred in from Rice University. At Rice University, they were kind of uh, pounded as well. Um, but he's coming at Cassius Allen. Uh, Kilgore Junior College, but uh, he originally signed with uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette. So they've been very impressive so far. And then you got Taj Cologne, freshman, Jordan Dupree, a freshman, Darren Morris, who looks the part. He looks like he's been in college for three or four years, but locally from Southern Lab. And then Isaiah Taylor from the junior college rank. So you see, this is what I'm talking about, how you mix and balance it out. You've got receivers from the transfer portal, junior college, and from the high school level. Plus, what you already had on the team, uh, Kirkwood, Tyler, Kirkwood, uh, Whitfield, and I'm missing someone else, but they were all they were already uh, on the team. So he came in, and I can't forget Reggie King, right? Reginald King, uh, who, who came with Coach Dooley from Prairie View, uh, a Louisiana native. So in, in practice, they have really done well, and, and, and they've, they've, they've stood out from the, the wide receiver room. And you can bet your last dollar, Southern's going to be, in my opinion, they're going to be kind of like under the Coach Richardson era, which Dooley – was a wide, wide receiver coach. 
they're going to be balanced. And I know everyone talks about, wow, they're going to throw it a lot. Yeah, but they're going to also run. Uh, Coach Dooley said at SWAC Football Media Day, he gets like 90, 100 plays. That's his goal. They want to play fast. They want to control the tempo. Offensive linemen have talked during camp already that this is the best shape that they've been in since they've been at Southern University. Charles, I wonder why. Because they, <laughs> in the tempo, they've got the lineup just like the receivers. So yeah, he, he said, he said, Coach Dooley, that it's a basketball philosophy on the football field. Absolutely. And and I, I do think that they're going to try to go fast and they will because that's just his pedigree. Uh, I, I do believe, I do believe as far as Southern is concerned, just from my perspective, that because you have McRae, who will probably start at quarterback, just to get him comfortable, I think Southern might try to run the football a little bit more early just to get the quarterback comfortable, you know, in terms of getting a rhythm going. You know, you, you know what Coach Dooley has done with quarterbacks at Grambling with Kincaid. When he was at Prairie View, he had Jalen Morton. He had pass. Um, so, you know, you, you look at that situation. You have veteran quarterbacks. He developed Kincaid. Now you've got a kid in McRae who has a little bit of experience, got to develop him, but he's got to get get used to that speed of the game. So running the football, and the same thing at Alcorn. And it's the same thing with, with the Braves. No more Felix Harper. You know, you got a couple of kids there, Aaron Allen and company. You know, running the football is going to be key for a lot of these teams, especially with new quarterbacks. Because if you just put it in their hands with the speed of the game, the adjustments, it's tough. You've got to be able to run the football a little bit and make it a little bit easier for your quarterbacks. I, I think whichever team, it, look, every coach is committed to running the football. They talk about it, but then when it doesn't work, do they go away from it or do they continue to run the football? I think that's going to be key, Carlos, in terms of success offensively, especially with new coaches and or new quarterbacks. We know what Dooley can do. When he's got it right, he's one of the toughest guys out there in terms of slowing down that offense. We saw it at Grambling. We saw it at Prairie View. And now we're going to see it, probably see it at Southern University. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that's going to go. I mean, I, I think Dooley has made all the right moves. The Jaguar Nation is pleased with what they're seeing so far as someone that's on the outside of it, the coaches, the hires, the kids from Louisiana, like you talked about, high school, JUCO, and transfer portal. He's made a lot of the right moves. The question is now, how long is it going to take for that continuity for it to jail and mesh? Well, put it this way. First game, I think they're going to display who they are. I still say balance, but they're going to throw first. If And if I have to put a percentage on it, probably 70, 30, past the run. And now that I think about it, maybe 65-35. And trust me, yeah, it depends on, too, your, your, your team or your opponent. The first game, uh, Florida Memorial. I'm not going to sit on here and say they're going to win by five touchdowns. They may well. All I know, from the first quarter to the fourth, fourth quarter, you put pressure. This is what I'm hearing. They're going to put pressure in McCray, uh, very athletic, and uh, from the spring the game, and I just based that on, on that. He is the right mix. You know what? If you're up by 20, 25, 30 points, 
Yeah, you can run it, but I want you to be who you are. And I don't think they're going to be conservative, per se. Different different makeup with, with this coaching staff. Also, I think he grasps the offense. He's grasped it. He's improved a, 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 a lot. But also, the other news is that is coming out of camp, Harold Blood. Harold Blood has been getting reps with the second unit now. So Bubba McDaniels, takes a lot of experience, has taken snaps with Southern University, but and we can put uh you can put the put it as a gospel if you want to. I just think during this time of fall camp, I think it fluctuates, you know, between the the, the backups and the third unit. Even with the first, they, they're saying there's still competition going on, and that's what they want to do. But the, the big news coming out, um, Harold Blood now running with the second unit. And what, if you look at the characteristics, compare and contrast, what do you see with McCray and Harold Blood? One, they're both athletic. If something's not there, they can make it happen. And Coach Dooley has talked about this you know, at Swag Football Media Day and camp. He doesn't want a quarterback that could just manage the game. I want a quarterback that can win the game. So, you know, rollouts, throwing, and then they're going to utilize their receivers that we just talked about. But also, Sims, the running backs will be involved in of the passing attack. Then you still have the tight ends who can flank out as receivers. So I said all this to say this, Charles. I don't want them to be conservative. I just want them to be efficient and apply pressure that the defense has to have to think about a lot of stuff and they have to defend every inch of that field. The last two, three, four years, that has not been the case. That has not been the case, but now you will have to, you'll have a lot more to think about, a lot more to think about, and you're going to defend every inch of that, that football field. So, no, I don't want them to run the football, you know, a whole lot, be efficient with it, be balanced, but be who you are. That's applying pressure on the defense. Apply. And if it's an up-tempo's up-tempo, the personnel can't change too much. They'll have to come in and be in the personnel that they need to be in to stop the pass. And then I think then you kind of hit them with the running game. I I can't wait to see. I I must say I'm a little bit excited. I'm a little bit excited. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely excited as well. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing all these new coaches and schemes and all these new pieces and these new quarterbacks. I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all comes together. That's the beauty of what we do, Carlos. We can talk about it, predict, but uh, what we see on the field, that's what's going to be the determining factor in in all of this. And it's going to be an exciting year, I think. It's going to be a lot of ebb and flow. The Western Division, you know, it's wide open. The Eastern Division, a two-horse race, but there could be a dark horse in there. So that's the beauty of all this. And, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't talk about this, but now we are – we're in this mode in which every moment, every week of college football in the SWAC is going to be something to talk about. Well, 
and then if you know we we predict we prognosticators but we're not right all the time uh, you know I've, I've told the the conversation about the jackson state people you know it one one of the guys emailed me say it, it wasn't i didn't expect you to predict us first but fourth last year in the east really <laughs> yes really and, and 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 i was wrong but I got them picked first this year. What happens if they get second or third? But, you know, expectations are always – and and when you win a championship, you you thirst for more. You want – and one of the things I like – and I understand things change, but after that first year – I'm going back in history again – with Coach Richardson, and after that first year, 11-1, the bar was set. That – team walked out the next year they expect to win yeah hey we're gonna win it may be not pretty but we're gonna win the mental aspect was once that that first year he went and got 11-1 record they expected excellence and then probably his greatest team ended up i believe what six and five and they lost Five of those games by 14 points. But many will talk about that year. I think it was 1994, I believe. That was probably the talented, the best talented team for Coach Richardson. So all of that to say, expectations. Now, you look at running back, uh, Gerard Sims. Um, he's well-suited for Coach Dooley's offense now. We saw evidence of this the last three or four years. He can come out of the backfield. He runs north to south. He says he's in his the best shape he's ever been. I wonder why, Charles, because <laughs> of, of, of tempo. Now, Kobe Dillon, I, I don't know. It's some kind of controversy. Uh, uh, it was reported a nun injury that he's out. Then he was back. Then I'm hearing some other things, but the cover is not there. Kendrick Rhymes. I've talked about him a couple of times. I I actually, just me, I call him a baby Alvin Kamara. Coming out of the backfield, Google him, um, Kendrick Rhymes. Just Google it and look at some of his highlights. He does some of everything. They flake him out as a wide receiver when he was in high school and junior college. And I just saw a little taste in person against, um, of course, Southern in the spring game. But you can see he can run very hard. He's a diverse uh, bat. And then Carl Ligon, you've got to get him on the field some kind of way. Out of Montgomery, Alabama, rushed for over 1,600 yards, kick return, pump return, caught passes out of backfield. Another prototypical player that Coach Dula likes to bring in. And then I know you heard me talk about Braylon Morgan a couple of weeks ago. Just love him. He has a chip on his shoulder. He's been doing well in fall camp. So the the, the, the cover is not bare. The, the running back room is pretty strong. Now, I know you got to put all this on the field and get it done, but that's the process they're going through now. And then that's just talking about offensively and then uh, tight ends. Ethan Howard hasn't been running with the first unit most of the camp, but they, they're getting them in and out. Gregory Perkins and uh, Dupree Fuller Jr. Uh, 
Juco All-American coming in the camp. That's another wide body, a tight end that is adapted. Uh, you can put him out, flank him out as a wide receiver. You can utilize him, and, and even on uh, third down situations, I saw him in Juco. Get the tough yards, line him up in the backfield. He, he could be an H-back. So with that being said, offensively, offensively, I think they'll get it done. And then last but not least, on the defensive side, a lot of depth in the secondary. Uh, Dumas, Cameron Peterson. You've got Taja Brown, transient from Nickel State. I mean, they're, they're just what I like. And, and, and last year and a couple years before then, when someone got hurt, it really was pretty bad for Southern University. But now you've got depth and you're deep. Got to put it on the field, of course. But uh, this team is in a much better position to me than they've been in the last three or four years. Charles, you look like you you want to come and play devil's advocate. Go ahead. I know, no, I'm I'm just listening to you just give a great spill of breaking down this Jaguar team and just, you know, the depth and Dooley and all that stuff. And it sounds to me, and I've known you for a long time and you've talked about Southern to me for a long time. It sounds to me like you, this is about as excited as you've been. And I might be wrong here. But I can't remember a year in which you've been so excited about Southern football. Maybe going back to the Pete Richardson days. And you talk about that '94 year. That was the year that Steve McNair broke the all the passing record. And uh, you know that particular year. I haven't heard you this excited talking about your team, the Southern Jaguars. Maybe since then. Am I? Am I? Is that factor fit? Well, uh, I, I would agree, but I, I, I believe it <laughs> not. I was excited coming to. Uh, 2018 and 2019 SWAC championship game and to be deeply disappointed, but we don't, we don't have to talk about that anymore. Um, uh, but um, just the excitement, just, just the yeah. excitement of uh, this upcoming season. And um, if it doesn't go the way that my predictions, um, how I predicted Southern university to, to, to do, yeah, you'll be disappointed, but that's 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 life. You'll be disappointed, but yeah, excited. Um, linebackers. Oh, let me go back to Southern University linebackers. Um, Jordan Lewis is he a linebacker now? Last week I reported that's his position, and previously being a defensive end, I think they will play him at linebacker. I think you'll see him moved around a lot. And with Dumas and Jordan Lewis, you're not going to be able to focus and concentrate just on uh, Jordan Lewis. And uh, Jalen Campbell's having an outstanding camp um, for Southern University at the linebacker core. Derek Williams, a young player from the uh, city of Miami, and of course in, in Florida. So, you know, at the linebacking core, you can. I think you probably can use a little bit more depth. But the the, the scheme they're running a four two five two linebackers, five DBs, and one of those DBs a nickel, of course. But I, I like to call him a rover as well. So yeah, I'm excited, Charles. I I am. But we'll see. 
we'll see. The first game is the first game. Then the second game is LSU. Let's take a look again maybe after about four games. That's how I like to kind of do an assessment and see what happens. If they're three and four, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy. And then you move on to, to, to uh, October. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that first month as well. I mean, Alcorn opens up. You know, obviously Stephen F. Then you've got Tulane. Then you've got McNeese. Then you've got UAPB. That's a really good first month for Alcorn. And and with all the new pieces on offense, new quarterback, new defensive staff, new defensive coordinator, different type of defense, different up front where veterans are on the back end of that defense. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the Braves come out, you know, with the second year in the Western Division. It's just, to me, Carlos, I think it's going to be so many different storylines to see early on. I mean, we, we haven't talked about Grambling that much. I looked at their – Camp footage, they have this fan fest going on today that was on the Black College Sports Network. I saw a little bit of that. And Hugh Jackson sounds really confident you know, in terms of where his team is. I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him at media day. The rumor was he's got six quarterbacks on the roster. Um, you know, he's a quarterback whisperer and, and developer. And, I mean, that that just that may not be true. But I wouldn't be surprised if it, if, if it is the fact because he's trying to find a quarterback. You know what he's looking for. Um, you know, Grambling got Arkansas State, and they got that tough division. We got to go to them. Um, so it's you know, I think a little bit of pressure on on Hugh Jackson in terms of what Grambling has to do. And as a Gramlinite myself, I think it's going to be a, a, a tough rebuild. And even you know, for people that are predicting where they are, I I, I don't see a great season just because it's just all new. And so I, I'm not expecting that, but I do expect the program to be better as time goes along. So that's just one of the many storylines. I've been reading, you know, I know we got Kyle Mosley coming up and I saw his interview he did with Andrew Boddy. Um, you know, he's really been all, all into the Texas Southern thing. I'm looking forward to talking with him about that because very few people are talking about Texas Southern and the way Boddy has looked and the body of work he's putting together, uh, you know, as far as his development, looks like Texas Southern might be a team that no one's talking about it. I'm sure they're glad of it and, and they might ruin some people's seasons. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that aspect of it, you know, when we talk with Kyle Mosley. But it's, it's just going to be a great year. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, which team can handle the adversity with injuries and the depth? You know, for me, for Southern Carlos, we know what Dooley can do on offense. But defensively, can they get off the field when needed? And you've talked about it, the depth. You got Jordan Lewis. You got Dumas coming over from Prairie View. The pieces are there in terms of Southern's defense being much improved from last year. They couldn't get off the field in the last drive in the Bayou Classic. I know that's still probably in, in your crawl a little bit, but I, I do think that Southern will be better defensively. There's no question about that, and there's no question offensively. I think they'll be more explosive. I think there's no question about that as well. Well, one thing as we get ready to take our first time out of today's show Talking to Coach Dooley at Swag Football Media Day, um, they're they're deep in the secondary, you know, very deep. And he likes DBs that can play both. When you say DB, they can play both positions, cornerback and safety. Then you got a guy who's going to be wearing number one. He's going to put pressure. Then if you double-team him, and I'm sure he's seen it through his career, we're talking about Dumas. 
Jordan Lewis has been double teamed. But I think still, and, and there are several other defensive uh, uh, tackles and ends, they're going to get pressure. And Coach Henry Miller is the defensive coordinator. He's not per se is going to play that sit back and, 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 and read and then react. No, they're going to be aggressive. And I look back to FAMU when they had that great Gulf Coast offense, their defense, their, I, their thing was to get a turnover. You want to keep feeding your offense. And so with that being said, I like what Southern has done defensively. They've done, I think, more. And again, assessing the needs when they uh, were hired. Come in and do an assessment. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to uh, build up the secondary. We need to get better at the defensive line. In other words, they need to get better all across the board on the defensive side. And as quietly to some has it been kept, they defensively have done as much or more than on the offensive side. Transfer a portal, you go in and get pieces that you need. Um, you got some young, talented defensive tackles from the high school ranks that you just don't need them to, to play right away. But if they do, great. Transfer a defensive tackle from Lamar is in, from Nickel State. So they, they, they've got their depth and deep. It's, I'll put it, I'll end it this way. It sets them up to be successful. Now, whether they do that or not, it's going to be on the coaching staff and, and the players. And uh, Coach Dooley talked about they were in tremendous shape. And kudos to the to the new strength and conditioning guy they brought in. Um, pretty doggone good. I, I look forward to interviewing him on this show uh, very soon, very soon. So with that being said, let's take the first time out. When I come back, Kyle Mosley, the Saints, Preseason game one against the Texans, and the prevailing feeling is, oh, Carlos, it's just preseason. You're right. It's been some ugly ball played in the preseason, but you've got to play them. We'll get Kyle to talk about that. And as you stated, Charles, Texas Southern. Um, I heard a lot of conversation at SWAC Media Day. There are people talking about them. When we put up our uh, predictions, some of my colleagues had them second, third, in body we trust. But I want to know whether the pieces around them, and the biggest question, just me, I guess I'm nosy, the biggest question is how much improvement defensively will Texas Southern, how, how much better will they be defensively? And then some of the other pieces around Andrew Body. We 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 know offensively. I, I saw it last year what they can what they can put up. But defense, defensively, how much improvement can they make? To me, that is one of the biggest questions of their fall camp. Take a timeout. You're watching the Carlos Brown show right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be right back. At Tyson, we know taste is local. Some like their beef pit smoked, their chicken spiced all the way up, or their pork sweet and saucy. Local flavors, global impact. That's what feeding the world is all about. Nope. 
Nope. Come on, him? Ooh, I like him. Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger that's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me, Me too. too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision, an SUV built around you, all of you. This is the dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon, so now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language, and she really loves her grandson, like really loves. 
One bite of 100% Angus beef ballpark frank, and you'll say... Hello, summer. Oh, yeah. It's ballpark season. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Uh, we we should be joined by Kyle Mosley uh, very, very shortly. But until that time, I had an idea in the chat room. I'm kind of looking at the chat room and appreciate everyone who is watching. Let's, let's recognize a few of them. Chuck Hunt. Checking in from Monroe. Uh, Felton, uh, good morning. Chuck, good morning. Michael Cavalier is watching. Sean Derek Perkins. Greg Johnson says, good morning, Coles Brown and guests. Now it's a good morning, now good afternoon. Uh, who else we have on here? Uh, my, my uncle is watching. Appreciate it, Uncle. <laughs> Gerald Franklin. <laughs> um, well, the family has to uh, uh, to back you up, and I appreciate him um, watching. Johnny Johnson Jr., Willie Bolden, and Michael Jones. Well, Michael Jones, where do I know this guy from? There's a picture up right there. <laughs> Let me read what he says, and I, and I love him to death, Michael. He's a, uh, a follower of the show. Just thinking. What is Dooley's record against Fred McNair? That game in October is going to be one for the ages. Well, let's see. I always be brutally honest, right? I'm consistent. Coach Dooley at Prairie View, I don't believe he defeated his time at uh, Prairie View, A&M. I believe I'm right on that. Yes, I believe I'm right on that. Last year, Coach Rollins, who was the interim and didn't get the job full-time, he defeated all Corn State. Not him personally, but his team. They won on the last second field goal. So he was 1-0 against Fred McNair, his team. So I think Michael is trying to uh, – Trying to throw a little dig there, right? <laughs> but digs are often 
truthful, correct? So, no, he hasn't had success. But Alcorn comes back to Baton Rouge year two. And I think it will be another tremendous ball game. And I think it will, I think Coach Dooley will have some success. Now, in the chat room, I want to do this. And I'll be able to monitor it. Give me your boldest or your bold prediction for 2022 football season. I'll repeat it again. Your bold prediction for SWAC football in 2022. Unbelievable, Charles. It's pouring down rain again in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's been raining every day for like maybe 15 days straight. But I think <laughs> other has gotten through their uh, their practice and their semi-scrimmage today. And by the way, next week will be a huge scrimmage for Southern University as they kind of wrap up. They wrap up uh, this 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 fall camp, camp is coming to uh, uh, an end, at least the, the, the part before school starts. I see Kyle is, uh, is logging in, so we'll get with him. But uh, bold prediction, Charles. You, you have a bold prediction? Johnny says Southern 9 and 2. Is that a, that's a bold prediction, Johnny? I can tell you what my bold prediction was, and, and it's got to be something flamboyant, big, huge. And I'll just repeat what I said at Swag Football Media Day. Charles, I said Southern, and maybe it was the motion of me, Southern will score 50 points in the Bayou Classic. Now, you, it, that's bold, Charles. That is that extremely is. bold. Some <laughs> probably would say that's crazy. But I'll, I'll stick by. I want a fifty piece on Grambling State. I got to let me let, let me let me think. Of, can I think about that one a little bit? I, let's let's get with that next week. You you hit me up with that one real quick. Let, let me let me stew on it for a minute. Come on, Charles. You got to be spontaneous. You got to be spontaneous sometimes. But you need a week, huh? Um. um well, that's fine. I'll, I'll look in the chat. Uh, uh-oh, Johnny comes with another. Southern scores 28 on LSU. That is a bold, bold prediction, but I that could be doable. I'll give you one right off the bat that I think about it. Alcorn will be Tulane week two. Wow, that is, that, that is bold. That is bold. Yes. That's a good one. Alcorn that's will be Tulane week two. I think that's a winnable yeah. game. That's a that, that's a gettable game. I think our defense will step up in that game. Um, I, coming off Stephen F., I think Alcorn will have a shot to get Tulane. Yes, Alcorn will beat Tulane week two. That's that's my bold prediction. Well, I actually have them going one and two after three games. Talking to a, a good good source. That's that word again. I think they can get McNeese. Somebody owes McNeese a spanking. That's all I'm going to say because Southern had them last year. They are who we thought they were. Had them <laughs> by double-digit leads and let it go. But that team last year, they couldn't finish. I got to be careful. I was about to say another word that's from, <laughs> from a uh, men's health situation, but I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> they could not finish. That's the best way to put it last year. I. On that note, Kyle comes in. <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> I didn't go too far on that one. 
I've uh, we were kind of talking about some bold <laughs> wow. predictions, but uh, good afternoon to you, Kyle. We're going to talk oh, about a you... couple things, but, but give give me your bold prediction for twenty twenty two. It's swag football. I don't know if I needed to get my Cialis or um, <laughs> the, the blue pill. <laughs> uh, you know, so I can say it. <laughs> no, I like uh, Charles's bold pr- prediction because uh, Tulane is a winnable type of game, especially if the all-corn offense is able to produce. So. I mean, that will be a close one, but it is winnable. It is winnable. Very bold, Carlos. Yeah, that's that's very bold because uh, maybe – and he's talking about I, – I had Southern scoring 50 points in the Bayou Classic. But don't get me wrong. Whether they win by one, five, or ten, as long as they win, I'll let my blue and gold glasses come out just a little bit. Just a little bit. I'll take the win, but uh, it is What's just the Jaguars' been... name? Uh, Lacumba? Lacumba? Yeah, y'all yeah, got to let Lacumba uh, out. Yeah. Was... <laughs> <laughs> Southern... Southern had a live mascot, and they were talking about getting another one, but uh... <laughs> it, it, it's – Look, I remember it, those days, man. <laughs> I used to go on the campus, you know. Uh, my dad mm-hmm. was well. My dad's Southern grad, number one, and then Good he was man. working Great on man. his masters. And uh, I would go up with him. He would pick me up from school, go up there with him. And my cousin was uh, attending, so I would stay in her dorm room. And sometimes I would go on the football field because her boyfriend, Kenny Times, uh, defensive tackle who helped win that game against uh, Grambling against uh, them in the uh, in the the bowl game, uh, he was the MVP for the defense of that game. So, and he went on to play in the NFL and played opposite Reggie White as well as um, a couple other guys, and he led the USFL in in uh, sacks one year, eighteen over Reggie White. Think about that. So a Southern grad did did good in the USFL. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things, and, and sometimes I kind of get into these very animated discussions. There's, there's a tremendous history in black college football in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Um, and I got to be careful how I say this, but some things, some some of the maybe the young ones, maybe not young, they they kind of give off that now is a time where they're just doing well. But that's what history is. You can look at history and show uh, and look at all of the great success they have, and you keep that along with making new history, and you combine both of them together, and it it it's it, it's a great thing. And now. Uh, playing at HBCUs, attending HBCUs, it's a great time to do such. And so let's let's yeah. build on that and move forward uh, together. Um, you know, you have some I young agree. people that are coming on board. Mm-hmm. We we need to work with them, and we come together, and then when our time is up, it's like playing football when you're or uh, whatever sport. When your time is up, 
then it's time for the ones behind you. That it's their turn. Oh. It's their turn. Don't say so. that to me, Carlos, because I'm getting closer. That time is up. <laughs> oh no, you're you're, you're, you're you're still good. You're like LeBron. Age doesn't define you. <laughs> Hope yeah, I can I say so. it about myself. Charles <laughs> will be in the SWAC uh, Hall of Fame. You know, as yeah. a broadcaster, yeah. I just that's awesome. That maybe when my time has come, that they'll say, "Well, you know what? Carlos was consistent, and he told you how he felt, and that's why we'll remember we'll remember him in that way." I may not make it to the Swag Hall of Fame, but as the Rock would say, "I'm the I, I look at myself as the People's Champion." <laughs> well, look, man, I put out an article yesterday based upon what Deion Sanders was talking about, uh, the Hall of Fame boat being kind of watered down. He said, I don't know if I want my bus next to this dude. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I don't know wow. what's going on. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was some pretty cold, cold-hearted stuff. But he said that a couple of seasons ago, man. Uh, this is nothing new that – a lot of these uh, votes have been questionable as far as who should be able to uh, become a part of the elite of the elite, right? Um, mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I think right now, if you look at some of the talent in the media that SWAC has and HBCU coverage has, we have some really dynamic young guys as well as some seasoned guys who have been doing it very well for a long, long time and uh, deserving the, the right to be mentioned as a part of the great people who have built this system. So I applaud you as well as all you guys what you have done over the years. Yeah, let, I, let, let's just we all just work to, together that that that's my man and speaking of working together we're going to talk with you about i guess we can go into the texas southern situation because charles made a statement that not a lot of people are talking about texas southern uh university um some of my colleagues here at black college sports network they believe that texas southern can be at the top of the western uh, the west division now I, for one, I don't believe that, but anything could happen. But if you ask me, I had them pick down a little further. But with that being said, um, Andrew Body, tremendous all-world quarterback, what are some of the tools he has to work with? And then the biggest question for me is, offensively, I saw them put up a lot of numbers, but defensively, they're going to have to improve, and how much improvement will it take for them to uh, move up a couple of notches in that Western Division? Well, I had an opportunity at SWAC Media Day to visit with Body as well as Demonterio Anderson, the defensive end. Uh, you know, Michael Baggio is now going on, so they have to replace that presence in the locker room. And I think Anderson has done a phenomenal job thus far uh, to fill in that role as the leader on the defensive side. Body, I can't say as far as the tools of what he hasn't have or doesn't have. 
I would say what he told me he needed to improve on his accuracy down the field. Uh, he his pocket presence as well. That has to be something of uh, a maturity uh, situation for him because he has the mobility. He can escape guys. He can be able to run down the field, and he can be able to put some pressure on defenses that way as well, like a, a Michael Vick used to do or somebody, a Steve McNair, right? I just think right now being a sophomore, he has a lot to still learn about the game. Now, what's making it difficult for Texas Southern in 2022 is the fact that their first, what, seven games are pretty much like road games, man. They come yeah. home, they play uh, the the college out of California, a little small college for homecoming. Then they go right into playing Alabama State. After Alabama State, Jackson State, then Grambling. Those are just some hard games to, to, to hit on after being on the road for a majority of, what, two months, right? So I, I know they're playing Prairie View at home, not at home, but in the Houston vicinity uh, because they have to go to Prairie View up to 90 uh, to visit those guys at the Labor Day Classic. But <clears throat> then they got to go play you guys, uh, Carlos, what, in Dallas a few weeks later at the State Fair, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at the yeah, schedule they, now. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's not going to be an easy schedule. I don't know if they – really help those kids, uh, especially with the fact that McKinney is bringing back. And I spoke to also the offensive co coordinator, David Marsh, who's a pretty funny guy. Uh, so, but what he was saying that they feel good about the team. Uh, 50 plus freshmen were playing last season and now they're sophomores. So they have a year under their belt. I still believe Texas Southern may be a year or two removed from really competing heavily for the SWAC title. Well, Charles, I'm looking at this schedule. And, of course, Labor Day Classic, September the 3rd. Um, then September 10th, they, they they play up. Second week, sounds familiar, at, at North Texas. Then in Arlington, Texas, Global Life Park, Southern University. So that will be their second uh, conference game. Then they go out of the conference again. They play up. September 24th, 2022, Texas San Antonio, of course, at the Alamo Dome, then Alabama State, October 1st, Arkansas Pine Bluff, October the 8th, um, and that's at Arkansas Pine Bluff, at Alcorn, October 22nd, at, is that correct? No. October 29th, Lincoln University out of what, California? Yeah, Never that's the of. homecoming game. Yeah, okay. And then November 5th, Jackson State. That's at home, and then Grambling State uh, at home, and then on the road against Alabama and i I'm confident in saying this. Anything could happen, but here's the part I'm confident about. You can be a better team, but the record may not reflect it. And, I, and I'm looking at several teams. They could be better, but their record may not reflect it, especially after the first four playing dates. You agree yeah, with that? It's, it's going to be different. Well, go ahead, Charles. Um, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be tough for Texas Southern. I mean, they got. I looked at them. Look at their schedule as well. 
They have eight games, in, and I guess I look at it as the glass half full a little bit. They have eight games in the state of Texas. So, you know, there are road games outside of the state. Pine Bluff obviously coming to all corner on homecoming in Alabama, Annam, and Huntsville. Those are three tough trips. Two of them are really long. But, uh, you know, I think if they get off to a good start by beating Prairie View in, in, in that game, the very first game of the season, and I didn't know that game was back on campus, by the way, until the other day. I thought they usually play it in Houston every year, whether it's at NRG or whatever the case. I didn't think it was coming back to campus, but it obviously has. Six o'clock well, game at Panther Stadium. They switch. They, they switch, yeah. I thought, it was, yeah this I thought it was more of a you know, one one venue type of game. I mean, from the outside, but yeah, I I didn't I, I didn't know that part of it. But if they win, if Texas Southern wins that game and puts Prairie View behind the eight ball a little bit, I do think that that confidence with that young team and that sophomore quarterback, who I saw in person, he looked really good at times, but then other times he looked like a freshman. You know, against Alcorn last year, he had some bad turnovers. He couldn't hang on to the football. We got pressure on. Him. But he, I'm sure he's learned that. And I saw your interview with him, Kyle, when you were on campus. You know, really good interview. And he just looks very confident in terms of his ability and what he can do. But it's gotta, they got to be able to run the football, and that defense has to get better if Texas Southern is going to have some success, at least in my opinion. Right, right. I think the more concern is the defensive side as well, Charles, and – you know, I saw just one practice, and I hate to say that's the litmus test for everything because that was the second day of their fall camp, right? Mm-hmm. So I will have to defer and wait to see what's going to happen, you know, later on uh, in the camp. But the offensive side, I think, is going to be gelling pretty well. Uh, David Marsh, I think, uh, after talking with him, he has some plans in store for the offense and how they're going to attack their foes in the swag. Uh, those uh, games, okay, I'm just going to say it. I, I favor Texas Southern to win over PV at PV. It's going to be difficult, but I think it's a capable win for them. But the road games are the concern. And, you know, you talk about a lot of variables on the road. So, that's what really concerns me. If can it be one and four before they come back home? That's always a possibility. But uh, I really think it's going to be, like you say, one of those uh, times where this team has to grow up and grow up fast. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, I, yeah, I still feel confident um, of my statement. Maybe a better team, but the record may not reflect it. And defensively is still the big question. I mean, every team has questions, you know, strong points and, and weak points. But I guess the only thing we will, time will tell is after about three or four ball games, then we'll have something we can uh, base the statement on. The defense, either they have improved or they have they not. Have. And maybe it's right. not a fair uh, evaluation when you're looking at, you know, you're playing up with North Texas and Texas San Antonio, but I think Southern and Prairie View and Alabama State, how about that? Is that fair? After those th- those three games, let's see how defensive against their peers in FCS because it's just kind of hard to uh, when you're playing up against, you know, FBS teams, but there are exceptions. Sometimes they win. But uh, with, with that being said, just those two things from, from me, 
And especially, number one, defensively, how much improvement will Texas Southern have on the defensive side of the football? With that being said, Kyle, it's only preseason, and most people <laughs> will switch to, to, to NFL slash Saints. Um, they don't play that many. Uh, as far as the Saints, is it going to be the attitude like the fans are saying, oh, it's just preseason, they won't show a lot. But is it still important to coach Dennis Allen uh, to kind of see where his team at in the game uh, situation tonight? <clears throat> okay, so I had a chance to visit Houston Texans camp. I did a little scouting report just to see where those guys are. They still have a lot of work to be done. I'll be honest with you. And they just didn't look like uh, a training camp that I saw from the New Orleans Saints. They was run a little bit differently, but, you know, you have the similarities with the 7-on-7s, 11-on-11s as well. I think Davis Mills struggled a lot. Okay. Now, let's on the flip side. Jameis Winston will not be playing in this contest because of his sprained foot. So, therefore, Andy Dalton will be taking the most of the reps. I probably uh, would have him probably the first half, uh, and then Ian Book can possibly do the second half of the game. And I think they may bring in that uh, the, the quarterback that they just signed as well to come in uh, to just kind of, you know, in, wrap up the game, whatever. So, uh, now – Going into the system, remember, Sean Payton had a certain system. He wants to see how the first squad executes. That's his evaluation. If the execution is spot on, is it you know, gelling not only with the veterans, but as well as some of the rookies that they may have, then, yes, let's go to the second squad. Then if let's that's see. executing well, then let's go to the third and wrap up. The, the entire game. That has always been their system. That's how they do things. You're not going to see any flashy. Well, you may see something flashy because Pete Carmichael now is calling the games um, and Sean Payton is not. So, and Pete Carmichael always likes to take a little bit more chances. He is more uh, liberal than Sean Payton was, if you can ever imagine that, right? So I think right now, with the New Orleans Saints and going into this contest, you're not going to see I, – I would be surprised if Alvin Kamara even touched the ball a couple of times or even played at all. Uh, we haven't gotten a report of who's going to be uh, excluded out of the game. I'll be surprised if Michael Thomas actually plays as well, even though he looks very, very good in yeah. – uh, in camp right now. I mean, I think Michael Thomas, if you set him right now and say the regular season is today, he's a go. Uh, so the Saints don't have a lot to prove offensively. I think right now, if you look at the running back situation, they would like to see what they have there. They will like to see what they have with their uh, tight ends and some of those younger uh, wide receivers who are trying to get into that fifth and sixth spot. That's what's really going to be the telltale sign. Or could one of those wide receivers just be a good special teams guy? You don't want to put them out there, lose them, and then you like, you know, put them, expose them to the practice squad, keep them on your roster. 
and they have done that before. So right now, I think the Saints are in a good position to just evaluate the talent, evaluate the execution, and evaluate the production there from that. So if they feel good about it, then let's roll into next week when Winston comes back. That second game is the more critical game anyway because, you know, the third mm-hmm. game, they're probably not going right. to play him or the rest of those uh, major guys anyway. So, therefore, next week is more critical than what we will see this week as well as in week three of preseason. So maybe I said one series, maybe two series from the starters, first quarter, and then that's it. Uh, well, you may give you, Andy Dalton a little bit more. You may give him a little bit more opportunity to work with some of those guys, right? Because he works mm-hmm. with the first and second squad anyway. And that gives him some opportunities to get some reps, some ne- necessary reps in case just that's why he's been brought in as an insurance policy, just in case something happens to Winston, right? So therefore, that can help Andy Dalton. That can help the team, and it, and it really can help the production of the Saints. Well, it'll keep my blood pr- pressure down. Here's why: because Dalton, sue me, but I feel much better with the backup situation this year than last year for sure. Wow, Taysom Hill, not not an NFL quarterback over the long haul. I'm sorry, Dalton, you know, took some criticism, but I feel much better where the Saints are now as a backup if something happens to to Winston. Of course, you want him to be the starter, be successful, and be injury-free. By the way, um, Kyle, how has he been looking in, in, in camp minus the injury? Well, on 11 and 11 drills before he had the injuries, he did not throw an interception uh, out of, let's say, I remember the stats from Nick Underhill, around 60 plays in the 11 and 11 drills in 10 days of camp, no interceptions, pretty good. Yeah. Woo, preseason. Preseason, it <laughs> is what – what it is, and I, I just, yeah. you know, looking at the fans on social media, they, you know, they voice their displeasure about the preseason games. But hey, you got to have those three. And I agree with well, your point. Next next week, week uh, week two in preseason, that's the critical one because yeah, they uh, the third week after that, that's it. So you they got to make some important decisions, you know who's going to make the roster, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to be at Energy Stadium tonight to witness this, see what's going on with Saints. I don't anticipate uh, it to be one of these barn burners. Uh, some of these uh, preseason games early on have been pretty competitive. Uh, so it's more competitive, and I've heard many coaches state this, from Belichick to Peyton to uh, some of the older guys. Preseason is not so much for the the starters who you know are bona fide starters. It's for the guys who are trying to make this roster, trying to be able to, if not make the roster, get some film out there that somebody Mm -hmm. would look at 
and well, take a chance yeah. on them just in case they cannot make the 53-man roster when cut down comes, you know? So that's what this is for, to be able to evaluate them, give them good analysis, give them good feedback. Going into week two, if they do continue to do well, then bam, you know, you have some good film, you have some production to be able to show what you can do and if you are the man for the team. Charles, do you want a bold prediction for NFL 2022 20, <laughs> or you have to just stay away from that? Uh, yeah. Um, um, bold prediction. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that my Super Bowl contending Rams are going to struggle. Um, there, it's going to be a struggle for them, cause especially if Matthew Stafford's sh- arm, shoulder, whatever it is, is not right. And I don't think it is. I'm a little pissed off, really, to be honest with you, because now we're finding this out within the last couple of weeks. You had the whole offseason to potentially deal with this, and now all of a sudden you find out that that this, this arm, this shoulder, elbow, whatever is an issue. My guess is it's been an issue the whole offseason, just no one talked about it. So now – you know, Sean McVay's not going to play as starters the whole preseason. Rams open up with Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction right now to say that the Rams, if if Matthew Stafford's arm, shoulder, whatever is not right with the 49ers and the way they look, um, you know, I, with this tough NFC playoff race, it, I'm going to make a prediction that the Rams might not get to where they want to go, which is, you know, I think making the playoffs could be tough this year, especially if Matthew Stafford is not 100%. Right right now, he's not going to play in the preseason. I'm concerned. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. So my bold prediction right now, if Matthew Stafford's elbow, arm, shoulder is not right, not only are the Rams not going to win the division, but with this tough NFC race in the playoffs, the Rams might not make the playoffs. I'm going to make a bold prediction in the negative sense. Because I am concerned about that. The Rams got to do a better job running the football. There's no OBJ. That secondary still has got some work to do. I'm just concerned. The Rams got by last year. They were very fortunate. In the NFL, you just can't expect that that type of fortune two years in a row. And they lost uh, Whitworth, right, uh, due to yeah. retirement. And retirement, they yes. made some changes on their linebacking core. Uh, as well, the running back in situation that is uh, still in flux a little bit, right? So yep. the Rams are a work in progress. Um, I saw this last season in Jacksonville when the Saints just thrashed Aaron Rodgers and uh, Green Bay, what, 38 to 3, right? Those guys did not play the whole preseason. Remember that? Rodgers didn't play, Adams, none of those guys, and they looked like they were out of sync. And, you know, it it took them some time to kind of rev it up and get back into the flow of things. So preseason can help. Preseason can hurt when injuries do occur. But I I think right now uh, you're looking at the volatility of this game where it can blow up in your face at a moment's notice if – somebody does tweak a knee or elbow or shoulder or something, something that's important like Matthew Stafford. So uh, I hope uh, they're able to get it together because it's a good system, a good team. I'm not sure they're going to be able to repeat as well. 
Well, I think it's a little bit hey different, Kyle. Because- Carlos, I apologize, man. You know, I got to get some things ready for uh, the contest tonight. So, look, I understand. any last questions? I, I'm, I'm just – anything else you want to know? Because I'm just geeked to be able to see some football <laughs> in person. <laughs> Go handle your business. We appreciate you as always, and we'll, we'll talk again uh, real soon. Right, probably hey, right man, before the, the season opener. Be safe and be yeah. careful. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Sorry I was late, but thank you very much, guys. Let's have a good one. Who that baby? All right, <laughs> this thanks. On that note, let's take a quick timeout. Um, we're gonna end the show about one fifteen since uh, one eighteen, something like that, since we came on. Um, late. So we'll take a quick time out. I'm scheduled to join. Yep. BJ Jones. He's coming up next. You're watching the Carlos Brown show right here on the black college sports network. Q time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West end. Q time soul food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax and sink your chops into our tantalizing mouth-watering distinctive soul food with a twist the q time way 1120 ralph david abernathy boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881 do you miss your mama's cooking then come on down to q time an urban passport member newman college is an hbcu in tuscaloosa alabama where we prepare students for a different world Stillman is a college of distinction for last year and this year. Our largest majors are business and biology, followed closely by psychology, criminal justice, and history for pre-law, communications, English, and religion. Our newest degree programs are in the Department of Computational Sciences, which covers cybersecurity, data analytics, and math. The Biomedical Academy prepares students for competitive entry into health professions and graduate programs. We have established summer biomedical research internships with major research institutions, such as the University of Alabama, Drexel and Temple Universities in Philadelphia, the Salk Institute in San Diego, California, and the Universities of Florida, Indiana, and Iowa. We became creative with social distancing and masks for the pandemic. Our students enjoy movie nights at the stadium and the new Melissa and Davis Legacy Courtyard where you can eat and enjoy friends. We have the Divine Nine Greek Letter Organizations, student government leadership and ambassadors. Our small class sizes, nurturing faculty, and friendly environment let you know that Black Lives Matter at Stillman College each and every day. Applications are free. Sign up at discover.stillman.edu. Complete the contact card and apply today. Stillman College, where we prepare students. For a different world.
the sights, the sounds. I like both of college football. It's upon us now. And uh, upon us now is uh, Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBC Football. B.J., good afternoon, sir. Man, good afternoon, Carlos. Uh, Charles, how you guys doing? Doing well. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm excited. What, a couple of weeks? Swag mm-hmm. Act Challenge coming up. Two weeks away. Uh, fall, yep, fall camp is, is, is going towards the end for the teams in the in the conference. But with that being said, BJ, will the SWAC have some success against the MEAC in week zero? Yeah, man, it's kind of hard to say, man. Alabama State, man, we know what they've done from a talent standpoint. Uh, you get the Davis kid, North Shore quarterback. Uh, he has state championship pedigree uh, in the state of Texas. Uh, they, they were – very active in the transfer portal, uh, Alabama State was. But uh, hey, Howard has amassed a lot of talent up there in Washington, D.C. Larry Scott has done an outstanding job uh, at Howard. Look at where that program was with, with Ron Prince, and it, it seemed like Howard went from a high uh, back to a low. Uh, but what Larry Scott's done with that program, uh, recruiting at the high school level, uh, bringing in the amount of three stars that he has, uh, Edron James, his son, uh, looks like he's going to be the starting running back. Uh, and here's the thing about Howard. That football team was very young a year ago, and they were pretty much competitive in every game in conference play. Um, I think that they're going to make some noise, and this is going to be a big test uh, for Eddie Robinson, his first game at Alabama State. Uh, with that talent going against that Howard football team that's very young but also very talented. Mm, interesting, Charles. BJ, I'm not going to say he didn't sound confident, but um, it's going to be an exciting ball game. Um, Southwest Athletic Conference needs to have some success between the Swag Meag Challenge and the Celebration Bowl. And even Dr. Uh, McClellan mentioned it about needing to have some success against, quote-unquote, the bigger, the badder conference in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. Needs to have some success. Yeah, yeah and I think there are going to be some opportunities. Week one, um, me and Charles, man, we talked about this. Alcorn, Alcorn is going to host uh, Stephen F. Austin, who's coming into the season ranked in the top ten. And Alcorn's going to host that game on a reservation. That's a huge opportunity uh, for the Braves. And, man, just imagine if, if Alcorn could pull that one off, what that would do for the conference. And if if Alabama A&M um, a few weeks later is able to get one against uh, Austin P, there's going to be some opportunities uh, this year for the SWAC to make some noise. Guys, yeah, how important yeah. is it? How, Charles, how important? No, no, that's fine. How important is it uh, for uh, the SWAC to have success in the in, in the non-conference games? You can answer, it, Charles. It's huge. It, it's huge, in my opinion, because you know, for me personally, I'm just tired of hearing and, and reading on social media. All we can do is win in the SWAC, and we play down, and we, you know, I want to see. And I know it's tough when we play up, even though it's some quality games when you play up, like Alcorn, Tulane. Uh, South Alabama, 
Uh, I can go on with those type of low-level FBS schools, but I'm just tired of hearing the conversation about that. And the only way to quiet the conversation is if you do what? You got to win those games. Stephen Stephen F. is no joke. They've got 30 seniors. I was looking it up the other day, just kind of digging into that program a little bit. They got 30 seniors. They got a quarterback who threw for almost 4,000 yards. They have one of the top wide receivers in the FCS. It's going to be a challenge offensively, you know, to stop that offense. And defensively, they're really good as well. With 30 seniors, you don't you don't get that much. You don't get it that often. So that's going to be a really tough challenge. But, but to get Stephen F. to come to Alcorn, that's that's tough. Two years in a row, Northwestern State comes to Alcorn. This year, Stephen F. And so I, I think it's it's huge for for us, for me, because I'm just quite frankly tired of hearing the conversation. We can't beat these teams in the FCS. They have 63 scholarships. So do we. You know, let's go out there and prove that we can compete. So I'm just tired of hearing of the conversation. And the only way to quiet it is if you win some of these games. And we have an opportunity to do just that. Yeah, and Prairie View has a couple of opportunities. And I will say this about Prairie View. They've 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 played out of conference FCS opponents uh, in the last few years. Um but yeah, it, have some some success and get things done that way. Especially for those who uh, programs that would like to get in the FCS playoffs, you know. Th- those wins would help for for those institutions that uh, really want to to get into the FCS uh, playoffs. With that being said, uh, before BJ came on, but before I go to that that point, um, BJ, former collegiate athlete, fall camp has kind of been going. You know, it's going in their second week. Is this a point where you getting ready to hit the wall? Or where are you in, in fall camp at, at this point as, as, as a student athlete? Not quite the wall yet because you just really get in the pad, so that's exciting. Um, getting getting ready for the first scrimmages, so that's exciting. Guys, like you guys were just talking about the NFL, well, in college there's no preseason. Your, your, your scrimmages, that's your preseason. So you got guys who, who want to move up the roster, earn play time, uh, this is exciting. Now, for your established guys to kind of know uh, what they are, and the wall is after the first three days. <laughs> uh, you know, the wall is after the first three days. I mean, but but for the team collectively, man, this is an exciting time because you're getting back to football. Uh, you don't really hit that wall really until you start getting towards the end of camp where you're tired of hitting each other and you just want to uh, hit somebody else in a different color helmet and a different color uniform. And you know that? That's interesting. Great point there, um, because now the setup it's a, it's a it's different than you know when you were a, a collegiate athlete because you don't have what no two a days, but then um, probably in your time you had multiple mm-hmm. double practices a, a, a day, and um, I remember some of the old school guys talking about three a days. Um, where, you know, you had your special teams maybe coming at that last practice, but if you didn't perform well the other two, then you had a third opportunity. So, you know, I understand it's uh, different now. So now you're looking at scrimmage one, scrimmage two. 
are all of them equally important or is or do you give one of those two scrimmages uh, one more precedent? Is it the last one or, or the one like a lot of teams are doing today? Uh, it's, it's, it's probably a combination of the two. Uh, because at la- the last one, you'll get more information. You'll get more stuff thrown out, out there um, as far as how deep into your playbook that you'll go. Um, and your last impression is the, the lasting um, impression. We you know we've seen some guys in the past that have jumped off the board that last scrimmage uh, where they were kind of, meh, you know, scrimmages before that. And that positive momentum for them have, have carried over uh, into the season. Um, so all of them are equally as important. Um, all of them are job interviews. Um, so, I mean, they, they are very, very um, important. The one thing that I always tell people who go out to watch scrimmages, because as fans, we get out there and we go, oh, man, we look good. Oh, man, everybody looks good, man. If you go to the message boards and you go to the sweat groups, all 12 teams look, look, look good. Be careful because you don't know what you're looking at, all right? A lot of those plays are scripted. I've been practicing. I've been practicing against the same offense the whole summer. I know when you go in that formation and this guy goes in motion, I know what play is coming, so I can cheat a little bit. You know that I'm not blitzing. We're not doing this. We're going to be playing cover two, and it, it's just so much in it. You can look at individual talent, but as far as trying to figure out what, what your team looks like, you're not going to know that until the first week of September. And sometimes it takes a few weeks after that to even know. So in other words, when we get somebody to play against in a, a different uh, uniform, mm-hmm. then that's when the true assessment. So we were talking um, in hour number one. Uh, Charles mentioned continuity and the chemistry. You know, so many teams bring in new players. I just said I thought maybe by the end of September, that's about four playing games, you'll have an, an opportunity to maybe to make a, 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 a true a true uh, uh, assessment. Um, Charles? Yeah, and, and you know, BJ, for, for the Braves, you know, we had a scrimmage today, and I was told by coaches and other people that this scrimmage today, the more detailed of the scrimmages, we're only going to have two. We have one today. We're not going to have one next Saturday, and then we'll have one the following Saturday, which is leading up to Stephen F. So normally you would have three in a situation like this, but Coach McNash, Coach McNash cutting it back to two. So this scrimmage today is really big. You put the finishing touches on it in a couple of weeks, you continue through. So it's a little bit different for what Alcorn is doing this year than what they've done in the past. So making the impression early is important now because in a couple of weeks, it's just maybe a few other pieces that you're trying to put in place. But you basically know coming through that first scrimmage kind of what you're looking at. So I think that's kind of to your point, what you're talking about in terms of uh, you know what you're going up against and, and the eye candy that you see as compared to what the reality is. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. I'd rather see some progress than um, I'm refer to like watch a little bit of uh, Jackson State's, you know, a few, a little bit of their their fall camp. And it seems like Coach Sanders is never pleased. It's you're like if you just <laughs> tuning in, it's like, oh, they're not they're not doing well. Coach Dooley, you seen it on social media where they were a little lackadaisical. He he lit a fire on them. Get get your mind right. So BJ, I, I understand your point, and that leads me to this. Then 
I'm I made the statement that I think coaches kind of know who their number ones are, but for me, the biggest battles or some of the most intense battles are for that backup position. Is that true or or I'm kind of way off on that? I think with some of the ones you kind of know um, who's going to be the guy. Uh, sometimes you know some things can change and some guys can catch fire. Uh, but particularly when you talk about positions outside of quarterback, where that two and three, you're in the rotation and you're going to be playing, that's when you're going to see the most intense battles because that's a, you know, that's determining determining if I get twenty snaps a game, uh, or five snaps a game, which is a big difference. Um, you see a lot of a lot of that, uh, particularly in those positions where you rotate out a lot uh, on the trenches. Uh, the linebacker positions, uh, oftentimes the receiver positions, where you, you're going to use, you're going to go deep into that depth chart. Uh, quarterback usually is one guy, uh, you know, one guy is, is the guy, um, and two or three sometimes are interchangeable. Uh, sometimes you have a special two, uh, but those battles for two and three gets get really intense. We talk about those positions outside of quarterback where you rotate a lot. That's an interesting point, Charles. If you didn't know any better, you say uh, BJ played on the collegiate level, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Because sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, you know, you kind of look at things, oh, boom, that's great. Or, oh, no, something went wrong, the sky is falling. But usually it's somewhere in between. And and BJ, I just think the teams that are successful are the ones sometimes that can – handle adversity and how they respond to it. I mean, you know, what's the old saying? Everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. How do you react uh-huh. to it? Do you stay on the mat? Can you get up? Or do you come up more more, more determined? And, and as far as some of the teams that you've seen so far in, in, in fall camp, do you think that's the, the, the mindset that the coaches are uh, delivering to them? Or it's more about just getting ready, being fundamentally sound and the way you practice should be the way you perform at game day. Yeah, I think it's going to be case by case. I mean, one of the things that you heard Coach Dooley say is that you can't wait to Saturday to turn it on because with him, you're not going to make it to Saturday. Um, be honest with you. If you, you wait to turn it on to Saturday, you're not going to make it. Um, <laughs> uh, the big, you know, big thing that, you know, Coach Richardson would always say, man, you, you practice the way that you play. Um, you practice mm-hmm. the you know the way that you play, and that's one of the things that I've always heard that drove him up the wall about guys like Terrence Levy. They didn't practice well, uh, but when those light turns on turned on, man, Terrence Levy was a different dude. Um, and you know that you know that's one of those things that, that frustrated him. Uh, but I, I think that you know coaches want to make sure uh, that you are giving me what you got in practice because that's the only way I can evaluate you. Um, if if if, if your highest gear is nine, but you're only giving me six, you, know, you can't come to me uh, on uh, can't come on a Saturday uh, winning conference play and telling me, Coach, I can turn it up. I can give you that nine when you never you never given it to me. Um, so you know that's very important uh, when you're talking about these practices and as we progress uh, deeper and deeper into uh, fall camp. BJ. <laughs> The early games, um, we've talked about, you know, non-conference, but then when you get into conference play, uh, they're, they're really important because you want to get off to to a good start. 
with that being the case, what teams you see basically that will be teams that will get off to to a good start in your your opinion? I just think from a scheduling standpoint, I think Southern's going to get off to a good start uh, with Florida Memorial. Um, I think Alabama State potentially could start two and zero with Howard and Miles College back to back. I think Alabama A and M may may start slow, but you have to look at it from this standpoint. Alabama A and M has the UA, uh, UAB uh, first, and then Troy second. Uh, that's a rough, you know, that's that's a rough uh, blow right there. Grambling also has two FBS opponents to start off, so I, I think that. You know, you're going to have some teams that are going to start off slow. But if you look at this conference, oftentimes the division champions are the ones who started slow. Look at Alcorn 2019, Southern 2018, and 2019. Um, it's a marathon. It ain't a sprint. Um, and, and this thing ain't won in September. Um, it, it is a long season, long way to go. Um, and that's what you have to uh, remind um, our fans of because a lot of people like to throw in the hat. And we're in the first or second week in October, but it's a long season. Oh, and boy, text messaging. Give me a text message. Something, somebody didn't show up for some reason. Whoa, what's going on? What's going on? Just relax. Relax. <laughs> With that being said, BJ, we've been kind of throwing out some bold predictions. So, uh, if you can, throw out a bold one. Now, a bold one has to be just that, bold. I want a 50-piece on Grambling State in the Bayou Classic. Some people say I'm nuts, but uh, that's my bold <laughs> prediction. I'm stick with it. What is yours? Um, Let me see. Or do you need a week? <laughs> no. I'll tell you this. There's been a meme going around that's saying that, hey, Coach Dooley has never beaten Alcorn and he's never beaten Jackson State. My bold prediction is that's, that's going to change this year. Whoa. He, he's going to get one or both. Yes, indeed. Say say that again, oh, Charles. Don't don't fall. Um, your bold prediction again. You know, I'm a I'm a little deaf in my middle my middle <laughs> year ages. What you said, Alcorn. And Coach Dula and Jackson State? Yep, say he's never been neither one as a head coach. That's going to change this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that. I like that. And some people have said, bold statement, FAMU, well, Jackson State and FAMU, that two-game stretch. And, you know, coaches going to always say, look, win the week, one game at a time, right? But I've – I've gotten one bold prediction, FAMU and Jackson State. Wow. At least I didn't see anybody say Southern 11 and 0, 12 and 0. Yeah, but oh, BJ, that was a good, that was a good bold I, I, prediction. I got, I got another one. I got another one. For all the receivers that we talked about at Jackson State, I think C.J. Bowler of Alcorn State. If you watch football, you know about him, but I think he's a guy that's not talked about. I think C.J. Bowler is, it, it may be – may, be primed to have a special season. And I think with his talent and his ability, and you watch the way he plays his plays a game of football, I think that this could springboard him uh, into a guy that will be playing on Sundays next year uh, around about this time uh, trying to earn a job in the NFL. I think they, that guy's that talented. Wow. BJ, you, you're rolling with the ball. I'm, I'm going to read one 
Theo, Quest, Major, bold prediction. J-State will lose to both its biggest rivals this year, the Braves of Alcorn and the Mighty Jaguars of Southern University. Wow, that is a bold one. Of course, I'll get the emails about the bold predictions, but that's all right. <laughs> that's what they are, bold predictions. Well, BJ, uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you again. Um, we'll talk a lot more. Football season is here. So unless the, the contract is not signed and delivered back, year three, or is it year two, here on the Carlos Brown Show, the football analyst. But the, oh you know, man, BJ, we go back. We go back further. We go back further than that, Carlos. Three. We got. We going back to let me see. Uh, 2018, 2019. It's like year four. Wow. What did I say? Three. <sighs> Another middle yep. age moment. Well, <laughs> year four coming up. Charles, closing statement. Man, those are some bold predictions there, BJ. You you really went out on a limb for for those two. Man, that's, that's – and I didn't know what Dooley's record was against Alcorn either. I was trying to look it up in between breaks. But uh, that that's some pretty bold stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm going to call out Mike Jones. He brought he brought it up. Uh, <laughs> this is Smarty Pants, Mike Jones. He's an <laughs> Alcorn uh, brave uh, uh, alum. But I appreciate Mike. He's a good dude. Matter of fact, he's a, a great photographer outstanding and one day hopefully he'll grace to take a picture of me maybe me and bj and charles doing the show on, on location but he's an outstanding photographer um but uh mike uh, yeah that was a little dig there i remember that <laughs> calling you carlos do you still need security when you go to lorman uh not not really but jackson <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll need it and then it's um it's my birthday that saturday and the weekend neil says he's he's got me taken care of but can't he's not gonna guarantee a win he says bj i got i got carlos covered in lorman trust me that they, they, they're not gonna test carlos because I'm, I'm gonna make sure he gets <laughs> in and off Safe and sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, you know the security is important. It, it, it really is, but, it, but it's fun though. Going to the different stadiums and talking with the different uh, fans and stuff, and then it's always great when you meet them for the first time and they may recognize you or, or your voice, and they talk with you. And um, hey, when you if you agree with me, fine. Disagree. That's fine too, because a lot of people have great ideas, and um, you can't pull the wool over people. You can't. <laughs> they, they know you. So, and uh, opinions are opinions, and facts are facts. Well, BJ, continue to be safe and blessed, and uh, we'll talk again. I guess we'll talk again next Saturday. Another yes, sir. Uh, looking forward uh, to it. Uh, football. Take care, my man. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Well, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. I want to thank, of course, Charles Edmund for joining me. Also, Kyle Mosley and also uh, Brandon B.J. Jones. Charles, you have 30 seconds. Closing comments, sir. 
I'm ready for some football, man. I am ready. And it's, it's going to be an interesting week coming up. Schools are going to be starting as well. You got to factor that in in terms of, you know, rounding out your roster and practice and time management. So this is going to be an interesting week coming up for our SWAC teams as schools getting ready to start as well. I'm going to agree. I'm going to also add continue to uh, be safe out, out here in this world. A lot of things are going on. And sometimes you just have to sit back and re- reflect. Uh, a lot of viruses still out there. I understand people are tired of, you know, having to be careful, but continue to be careful. It yes. is important. And uh, yes. also I'll say this, um, show love to the students, whether it's from the elementary, high school, a lot of schools are going back into session here in East Baton Rouge Parish. They started last uh, Monday, so one week down, many more to go. But the, the, young, the young scholars, they need their love, not only in school, but after school. Be involved, really be involved. And so we leave this place a little bit better than we found it. That's Carlos, the, I will to, say this. Mm-hmm. You had a great point there. You're talking about what's going on. COVID is still present, ladies and gentlemen. COVID is still out there. Um, and, you know, we've had some, some issues with some, some COVID issues this week that we're, that we're trying to work through. And it's a little bit different. I guess it's something we haven't talked about. It's a five-day uh, downtime if you tested positive mm-hmm. as compared to what we've dealt with the last couple of years. It's five days, and that makes a difference. So be safe out there. Uh, COVID is not going anywhere. Just got to learn to live with it and deal with it and be as safe as you can. But that's that's a great point for everybody involved. Yeah, I would agree. Be safe, everybody. Continue to be blessed and be safe. Until next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. To all of the guests and Melody who produced today's show, we appreciate you. Have a good one. Peace and God bless.